like Jeff said, I'm Greg Wangler. We, we go here to this church. We have for a couple years now. We went here for a while. We went to a different church and we came back. Um, some of you might not recognize me because I have long pants and shoes on. Normally it's shorts and sandals, but, but this is the way I dress when I'm in front. Um, I'm a blessed human being. Um, I'm blessed to have my beautiful wife, Kim. She's put up with me for 33 years so far. Um, amen, amen. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm also blessed to be Heather's dad. And, uh, and Jimmy's, Jimmy's dad. We don't call it father, it's dad. I am also blessed, if you go up to Grace Community Church, my daughter Bethany is known just like Heather here. And uh, they are such a blessing to me to see how they've grown up. Um, I've been involved in auto racing for over 40 years. Um, I was born a gearhead, and I'm proud of it. And I have worked, I worked for 26 years for the National Hot Rod Association as a rescue worker. They would fly me out for the weekend and fly me home, and then I'd work. And, and I was gone from home a lot, and that's probably why Kim and I have been married for 33 years, because back then I wasn't the easiest person to live with. Um, I've built race cars, worked on race cars, driven race cars. And eight years ago, God called me. I get emotional sometimes, because I can't believe what God does with me. God called me to do the most exciting thing at a racetrack I've ever done, and that's to be a chaplain. And uh, last night, I was up at Injury Street Hills at the Speedway race, a championship race last night, came down. As soon as I'm done today, I go back up for another motorcycle race. It's juniors, so our oldest riders are 8 years old, and our youngest, or 18 years old, our youngest riders are 3 years old, and they are a Adorable. Um, so what does a motorsports chaplain do? I have some pictures. Before anybody goes out to race, we offer to pray with them. We run 95, 98% of the people will have us pray with them. But as the cars or boats or whatever get faster, it goes to 100%. Um, when I pray, uh, when I'm up at the boat drags in Bakersfield, I have an atheist that asks me to pray with him. And we have some awesome conversations. So this is me praying out at California Dragway. This is right over here at the fairgrounds. Three years ago, I became the track chaplain for Costa Mesa Speedway. So I, I pray with the riders before they go out and race. This is up at beautiful Lake Ming. Yes, there is a very beautiful place in, Big, in Bakersfield, the lake up there. And this is praying with the riders before they go in the water uh, to race. This is up there at uh, Lake Ming, praying with the rescue workers. Whatever track I go to, being a former rescue worker, I go and pray with the rescue workers. These guys sit in wetsuits all day ready to go in the water and get a driver out if they crash. And I have said for 40 years, I'll drive and race anything but a boat. Because if I crash, I want the ambulance to drive to me. I don't want to have to swim to it. So that's it. 
This is Costa Mesa Speedway. We, we get to pray the invocation. And at the races, when we pray, they stop everything. It gets silent. This was at Costa Mesa Speedway on Harley night. The fans or the stands were packed with Harley Davidson fans, and I got to pray in Jesus' name. And the coolest thing is, when I say amen, the stands say amen. So, it's one of my favorite places. We do chapel services. One of my favorite places to preach is up at Lake Ming because I always have this mental vision of what Jesus felt like standing on the edge of a lake teaching. And I also can make believe they're paying attention to me instead of looking at the lake. But I, I know really what they're looking at there. And for you, you guys that have trouble being here at 10 in the morning, that's 7.15. Typically at the races, our chapels start at 7, 7.15 in the morning. I don't know if that, that's our signal here. Next slide. Maybe. Okay. Now we're in the message. So let's pray. And then I'm going to share with you what God gave me. And, and as Pastor Jeff was talking, I thought how appropriate this message is for what's been going on with our building and everything going on right now. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to be here to share what you've given me. I pray that you'll speak through me, Lord, and, and uh, help me not to bore these people to death. And Lord, I just pray that you will shine here. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as, as well as working at the races and stuff, I've been involved in construction um, for most of my adult life. And I learned some things very early that when you're building something, if you get the foundation right, flat, square, right, the rest of the project goes a lot easier and comes out better. And I had the opportunity after the Northridge earthquake to work up in the damaged area. And it was um, amazing to me. I was up there for quite a few weeks, and you'd drive down a street, and there would be a house with no damage. And right next to it would be a house that had been shaken completely off its foundation and, and had collapsed and they were going to tear it down. And, and I see Ray sitting here going, oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. And you'd go down the street and there'd be one fine, one demolished, one with a little damage, one with a lot of damage. And I worked next to a house that they took one of these houses that was off the foundation and they picked it up, put it back where it belonged, blocked it up in the air, and then they tore the foundation out, built a new foundation, and then very gently set the house back on it and bolted it to the foundation. And it, it, it's amazing to watch that. And over the months I was up there, I got to talk with some of the crews that were dealing with the houses like that. They were picking them up and moving them and doing all kinds of things. And we were talking about why one house had damage and one didn't. And there's different construction techniques. But the main thing they said is, if the house has a strong, firm foundation, 
and the house is attached to the foundation, which is something that hasn't always been done, that the, that's the houses that didn't have the damage to them. That the houses that were off their foundation and that weren't bolted to their foundation and didn't have good foundations. This building we're in, it's been here a long time. And I can tell you some things about the foundation. I know from my experience that this is a strong foundation because I can walk around this building inside and out and there's no major structural damage to this building. We've got some settling cracks. We live in Southern California. Our ground never stops moving. That's normal. But our walls are straight up and down. They go straight down the the sides of the building. And there's no big cracks. That tells me the foundation was built well here. Also, I grew up at Harbor Trinity Baptist Church. I'm not afraid to say Baptist. Over on the other side of town. Some of the men that built First Baptist Church, one of those church things went on and they left here and started Harbor Trinity and they built Harbor Trinity Church. And I, as I grew up, got to work with some of those men. And one of the important things I learned from them, and it's not just construction, but they they would always say, if you're doing it for God, good enough is not good enough. And that doesn't matter if you're building a building, if you're singing in what used to be the choir or the worship team, if you're an usher, if you're teaching children's ministry, youth, whatever, we need to not just do good enough. I see in racing all the time, you can watch the teams that are doing good enough on their car and they're runners up. The teams that are always winning are the ones that are going over and above what needs to be done to to get their car ready. If you guys could turn in your Bible to Matthew 7, 24 through 27. This is a very special scripture to me. 33 years ago, Kim, I don't know why she did it. She stood up in front of all our friends and family and said, I do, and married me. This was the scripture in our service when we got married. And this is the scripture that we have based our marriage on. We have gone through storms in our marriage. But it's because of this scripture that 33 years later we're married And uh, I enjoy our marriage more now than I did when we were newlyweds because of the bond we have. So let's read this scripture. I think it's up here. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like the person who builds his house on the sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I believe in my heart 
that the reason why you all know Heather and love Heather and the reason Grace knows Bethany and loves Bethany is because we grew them building their foundation on the rock of Jesus Christ. Church was not an option at our house. Church was what we did. And we didn't, we tried not to just go to church and be at church. We tried to do church at home too, which is, which is hard. And God here talks about the structures like I've been talking about, but that's not really what he was talking about. He was talking about our lives, that we need to have a firm foundation in him, the rock. The last couple of years, I was um, chosen to do a um, program at Hogue Hospital. 16 months long, I did an internship and then a residency where they're teaching chaplains how to sit with people on the worst day of their life and help them to move through that initial first day and start moving through healing and moving on. Over and over and over, I would, I would meet with a couple and I, or a family and I could tell you within seconds if they were believers in Jesus Christ or not. And they wouldn't have to say anything about it. Because over and over I would see that believers would be handling it differently than the non-believers. I've seen people wailing on the floor of the emergency room. I wouldn't touch the floor of the emergency room and they're laying on it and rolling around and crying. It's just amazing. And people in our conversations, believers would ask, how do non-believers get through losing a loved one or finding out they have cancer? And it, it, it just, I don't know. I do know. There's a lot of drugs and alcohol used to cope with that. And a lot of Christians use that too. But having God to rely on is what's gotten us through. Kim and I wouldn't be married. I can honestly say this. Kim would not be married to me if she didn't have God to rely on to get us through those times. And notice in that scripture, it didn't say you may have storms. Jesus flat out said it. You're going to have storms in life. And I could have you guys raise your hand. Anybody who hasn't had storms in life, go ahead. See, everybody goes through storms. We go through storms. John 16.33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome this world. That's something that I carry with me as I can look at what Jesus Christ went through and say, yeah, I can handle this. I can get through this. I sat with a man last night at the races a month and a half ago, he had cancer surgery, had parts of his body removed. He's been going through chemo and radiation. And we sat there for probably half an hour while the races are going on and happening. And he was talking to me about the blessings 
he's seen God give him through his cancer treatment. And Friday, he had the first scan post-cancer, and they found no cancer. And he's excited. He's excited. And I'm excited, but I'm still praying for him. So I could stop right now and dismiss everybody and say, let's go to Mikasa and get lunch and head out. And I see some smiles out there and because everybody's getting the idea. We need a firm foundation. We need to be built on that bedrock of Jesus Christ. Um, we live in Southern California and you've seen in the storms, the houses falling off cliffs because they weren't attached to the bedrock. They're built on stilts. I still don't understand that theory. But I don't have to understand them. I just have to build them. So um, so I'm going to go over some ways that I have used to build my foundation. And the first one of those is prayer. First Thessalonians 5.17. This is, this is hard for, for me, you know, to read this much. It says... Pray continually. That's, that's what I'm trying to do in my life is pray continually. God loves us. God created the universe and he loves us enough. He wants to have a one-on-one talking relationship with us. Kim and I will laugh sometimes because I'll be out working and I'll think, oh man, tacos would, okay, not a good example. Tacos has always sound good for dinner. <laughs> but the such meal would sound so good for dinner and I'll get home and I'll say, hey, what are we having for dinner? And she'll say, oh, we're going to have this. And it's what I've been thinking about all day. Or I'll be thinking, man, I should cook dinner tonight. And I'll get home and ask him, what are you doing for dinner? I just don't know. And, and Okay, I'll cook dinner. And we have built this communication where we kind of know what each other are going to say before they say it. And that just comes from having constant communication back and forth. I am working hard in my life to do that with God. A a few weeks ago, I had to go to a funeral in Indian Wells. And it was a three-hour drive. And I was all alone. I take the opportunity when I'm alone to sing to worship music in the car. I don't normally do that with people in the car because I normally ride with people I love and I want them to ride with me again. But I just got to spend three hours singing worship and praising God and, and not really asking. The only thing I asked him for was that he would use me to minister to the husband whose wife had died. And um, it was an awesome time. And I'm learning, I'm starting to find myself during the day just praising God for our, our weather or that I have work or, you know, all kinds of things. Instead of saying, God, I want this, God, I want this, God, I want this, God, I want this. So prayer is very important because think about how awesome it is. We get to talk with God. We don't have to come to Pastor Eric and say, hey, could you tell God this? Because that doesn't make sense to me. We can just talk straight to God. The next thing is reading the Bible. Joshua 1.8 says, 
Keep this book of law always in your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Here's my Bible. This was a birthday present, a Christmas present, and it's so precious to me because it says Chaplain Greg Wangler, and I love this Bible. On the back of it, it says, Holy, basic instruction before leaving earth. I'm not going to take this to heaven with me because I'm not going to need it. But it's a complete instruction manual for how to get through life. And if we would live the way that the Bible tells us to live, our problems wouldn't be big. And if everybody would live this way, we wouldn't have those problems. But this is important. Students, you're all down here in front. One of the stupidest things I did in my whole life was I dropped out of high school my senior year. Stupid thing. It's, it's held me back my whole life. I, when I dropped out of high school, I read at a second grade level. And I taught myself to read with this book right here. And it was hard. Back then I wrote, read the King James Version. I read the NIV now, or my favorite is the Amplified Version. Um, but I had to work. I have some disabilities with reading. But it was just spending time in the Bible and reading over and over and over. I use an app on my phone and computer. Every day it gives me scriptures to read. And I read those scriptures every day. And by the end of the year, I've read the entire Bible. So January 1st, I start over again and reading scriptures. And I can't tell you how many times I've read through the Bible with several different programs. I've seen a change in my life, and I bet you if you ask Kim, she's seen a change in my life since I've been reading through the Bible. Um, Through becoming a motorsports chaplain, this high school dropout went to college and got his bachelor's in theology and chaplaincy. I read a lot. But it was awesome. I'd find myself reading and going, you know, when I was in high school, I couldn't do this. And now I'm reading it and comprehending and and learning. So read your Bible. Number three is make regular attendance at church a priority. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Over and over the Bible will tell us to gather with like-minded individuals. That doesn't mean that we need to just have Christian friends just only. Because if we did that, we couldn't spread the good news. I hang out with some people at the races that don't have the moral code that I do. But I get to pray with them and openly talk about God with them. If I said, no, I'm not going to the races because they're sinners and they're this and they're that. How do any of them learn about God? 
I've gotten to pray with people at the races to accept Christ. A few weeks ago, we had baptisms here. It was awesome. A couple years ago, we baptized three people at the world finals in Pomona. 50,000 people at the races. We're in a pit with a tank baptizing people as people walk by, drinking their beer and going, what? And we had other chaplains to explain what was going on. And, and people were like, whoa, here at the races. We baptize people in lakes, e- anywhere that we can. I mentioned earlier, three years ago, I became the track chaplain for Costa Mesa Speedway. I'd been a fan there. 1972, I went to my first auto racing event, and it was Speedway in Costa Mesa. I went to Davis Junior High, and we rode our little Stingray bicycles with no lights, no reflectors or anything over on Friday night. And we just, back then, we just piled them by the front gate and went in and watched the races and came out, and they were still there. And... um But three years ago, I started hanging out with the racers. And I've learned a new vocabulary about their motorcycles and the parts and the the technology and the places they race. And some of these guys race four and five times a week. Um, There's one couple that I pray with regularly. They drive from Sacramento to Industry Hills every Wednesday, turn right back around and drive back home. Saturday, they drive to somewhere and race. Sunday, they drive somewhere and race. And that's, that's, (coughs) I look at it as they get a lot of time to talk and get to know each other. And they're an awesome couple. Um, But I've just gotten, it takes a while to break through the wall and get to where they trust me. That last night. Again, I had a a guy come up to me and he's going through some marital problems and he asked me for advice. And uh, my advice to him was, you might need to cut back on the racing thing and spend a little time with your wife, which would shock anybody that knew me that here I think you might need to cut back on racing, but, but that's what he needed to do. He needed to spend a little time at home. Number four is small groups. Um, Eric talks about them a lot. There's a hole in my life because of our life situation. Kim and I are not able to do a small group. Um, we're not able to get out in the evening and do small group. And I miss the interaction with other people. That I look at small groups and I look at church as that's where I recharge my foundation. There's a lot of times I come in here Sunday morning (coughs) and last night was an easy race. We only had a couple of crashes and everybody bounced back up, got on their bikes and took off. There's Sunday mornings I come in here and I've spent three or four hours in a trauma center with somebody I'm really close to and I'm worn out and I look to recharge that battery so I can walk out of here Sunday and go, okay, I'm going to be okay. God loves me. I'm going to be able to continue on. Number five, we've already done today and we're going to do more of. 
Musical worship. Bill's going to like this one. Psalms 98.4 says, shout, to the, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, burst into jubilant song with music. We've, we've gone to a lot of churches. We go to a lot of churches and something that just breaks my heart. And it, it happens all over in churches. I'm not picking on anybody, but church starts and 10% of the people are here. And by the time worship's over, everybody's here and worship. I have learned is not about me. It's not about if I like the music. As I shared with the worship team earlier, my theory is if I get to heaven and they're worshiping in country music, I've actually gone to hell. (laughs) But worship is about me giving a gift to God to worship him and saying, praise you. Thank you. Yes, I get a lot out of worship. I spend times when I get really stressed out. I've got my earbuds in and worship music on commercial free Pandora. And I'll spend hours laying there with worship music on three years ago. I made the commitment. I said, you know what? I love rock and roll and I love talk radio. I heard someone laugh, but I said, I'm going to stop listening to that. I'm going to listen only to worship music. And I started listening to the Christian music stations and got tired of hearing the same five songs all over every day and sappy stories. And I found an app that is commercial free and I listen to worship music all day long. I might be working in someone's house and have my earbuds on and listening to worship music. If they're home, I leave the earbuds in the car and I put on worship music on my phone and I sit there and work with the music playing. Because I figure they might want to listen to worship music too. And if they don't want to, oh well. So I encourage you, worship music needs to be part of your life. You know, when I was in the chaplain program, one of the chaplains said, <coughs> well, we go to church, but we go after the music because I just don't like the music. And, 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 and I'm looking at her life was a wreck. And I'm like, there's a reason that foundation that you get part of it out of the worship music. You need that. I've noticed that my anger level since I've been listening to worship music is way lower. Um, My tendency for road rage has just about disappeared. I, I laugh at people that do things and think, man, I'd hate to have their life so messed up that they have to drive. I'd have to drive like that to get places instead of yelling and screaming and honking and waving. And one of our chaplains just last week was involved in a road rage thing. The guy hit three cars on purpose and then drove off. That's a lot of anger. And I, I'll go out on a limb here. And I'll bet you that guy wasn't listening to worship music in his car. <laughs> All right, Bill? Amen. Amen. See? We get it from So so we need to have a firm foundation. 
We need to build our life on Jesus Christ. Because that's how we're going to stand up. Because I can't hold the weight of this world. I, I tried when I was younger. I'm old. I can't hold the weight of this world. I have enough trouble holding my own weight up. Jesus Christ is there. We'll go back to this worship music. Earlier this year, I was in a, a place where I was just, I was depressed. I felt abandoned by God. Pastor Jeff had prayed for me. Pastor Eric had prayed for me. Other friends of mine had prayed for me. And I was, I was depressed. I was down. And I was working and I went out to my truck to get a tool. And a song popped into my mind. And one of the lines in that song says the same power that conquered the grave. It's in me. I sat in my truck and cried. And I sang that song. And I realized I'm fighting battles here, but I've already won the war. I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. Because Jesus Christ is my Savior. And the Christian songs pop into my head. And I was thinking, what benefit would it have been if a song would have popped into my head there and told me that I lost my dog, I lost my girl, and I lost my truck? (laughs) Besides the fact that those songs play on two different speeds or something to sound like that. Worship music has probably been the biggest change in my life. To, to, to have worship music in my life constantly. I don't see myself ever going back to listening to rock music all the time and jazz and talk radio. Because I just enjoy the worship music so much. And I firmly believe everybody should be listening to the worship music. So our five ways that I have come up with, you might have other ways. Let me hear them because you might give me something I can use. You might give me something that doesn't work. You might like country music. That's okay. (laughs) You might get your worship out of eating donuts. But let me, let me know ways that you worship God or you build your foundation. Because I'm always looking for new improvements. Building your foundation is not something that you just, it's not like this building. They built the foundation. It's good. We'll go. I'm confident 200 years from now, this building's still going to be built, standing because of the way it's built. But my foundation needs to be worked on every minute of every day. Because I've got forces trying to tear my foundation out from underneath me. So we need to work on it over and over and over. The worship team wants to come up. And I might go up back because I know the song that's coming. (laughs) But my brother Bill here, he's going to do a good job with it. And I praise God that he does that music and likes that music. And I, I'm so glad to see Robin up here singing. That was, that's awesome. So let me pray for, for all of us. And then they're going to lead us in some worship. 
Father God, I thank you that we can come to you and know that you are our bedrock. You're our foundation. And we can get through this life if we stand with you. And let you hold us up. And uh, and get us through what we're going to go through. You have promised us we're going to go through trials. But I've seen in my life, when I go through a trial, I come out the other side in better shape than I went in. And that's because of you. It's not because of me. And Father, I just love you and thank you we could be here today. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.